Welcome to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here along with my buddy Chris, as we always are. Um, we've had a guest the last three weeks, but uh, this week it's just uh, me and Chris. So, uh, Chris, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Man, I can't complain. I can't complain. Uh, boy, we've had a good time the last few weeks, haven't we? We have. And let's just say, too, I mean, if things line up, I mean, this is just one week break of just the two of us talking, you know, and we'll do it again. But because we've got another interview coming. But, but i got to say, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of doing it. As much as I love the interviews, it's going to be good to just sit back and talk music. It is, it is, but I, I really want to thank everybody for uh, helping us have our most successful month this past month, listenership-wise, and um, we, you know, I can see who uh, listens and where they're listening from, and uh, last check, 40 different countries have listened to us, and um, people are going back and listening to our back catalog, it's steadily going up, so uh, I hope that means people like what they are hearing. Before we start, I do want to say follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed on Facebook at Digital Kill the Radio Star, and please subscribe via iTunes, uh, Apple Podcast, or SoundCloud. That would uh, would be great. That way it automatically download to your device each week whenever we uh, upload a podcast. So this week uh, has been a sad week in America. Of course, we had the tragedy uh, Monday or Sunday night of the shooting at the Jason Aldean concert, and you know, 59 people dead, just horrific. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to those guys. And then later on that day, uh, Tom Petty died. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, uh, Chris, uh, this one hurt. It hurt a lot. And uh, it really hit me in the gut. We saw him three months ago. It was my only time I've ever been able to see him. And, uh, you know, it was unexpected. And so that makes it even worse. But you know, I mean, he didn't get cheated. He had a nice long life and got to see the world and do things that only the rest of us could ever dream of. But really, uh, one of the most uh, iconic people of the last 50 years in music. But Chris and I originally had decided that before Tom Petty died, that this week's podcast, we were going to talk about some of our favorite sad songs. And so uh, we're going to do that, but we're going to do that uh, in the latter half of the podcast. Right now, we're just going to talk about uh, one of the all-time greats, Tom Petty. So, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you and get your thoughts initially. Yeah, I mean, you said that he, was, he wasn't he was really cheated, um, but I guess we were, you know. And it, it's kind of it's kind of funny, though. You, you see just the widespread love that he had. I mean, it's the people, how much he loved this music. I mean, everybody, it seems like. I mean, we're these days we're all on social media, and everybody from – pop stars to metalheads to i mean just the, the your friends on facebook that you know their music doesn't really line up with your musical taste they all seem to really just uh sit back and take a moment that like, man this sucks you know and it uh there's been too many of them lately there's been way too many and he was he was a he was a huge loss unexpected and yeah, I'm glad we went to that show. I saw him one other time, too, back, I think it was 99. And, man, he was just a great live show. And, you know, the dude just could write a song. He could write a song, and he wrote many a great song. I was listening to another podcast this week, and they were uh, – apparently the comedian Mark Maron has a bit where he talks about how, you know, the country's so divided and we're more divided than we've ever been. And he sits back at night and tries to think of – 
something that could unite the country. And he always comes back to Tom Petty because nobody dislikes Tom Petty. Yeah, I know. I actually know one person, and and that's it. There's only one, and I, it just made me laugh because I just remember one night. Um, this is our buddy. Uh, where we don't use last names, but this was my buddy uh, David. That we, you know, when we were neighbors in yeah. college. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. One night he was uh, highly intoxicated, and I don't know how this came up. Tom Petty came up. He was talking about how much he hated him. He said, "Man, if I had a gun and he was standing right here, I'd shoot him." That's how much I hate him. Oh, that guy. That, that, that always made me laugh for whatever reason. But yes, he is the only person that I know that did not like Tom Petty. I mean, every. I mean, like you said, metalheads, country people, rap people, everybody loved him. And you look back on his career, and you know he started in the mid to late seventies as far as his recording output. And he consistently sold records in five, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, the 2010s, you know, just steady at the, at the, uh, with the record sales. But yet his music, it never really catered to a particular fad. You know, some of his stuff, um, like Off Damn the Torpedoes, even The Losers, that sounded like that could be recorded today. Yeah, well, I don't think there's there's not that. I mean, there's a difference, but there's not that much of a difference from, say, Damn the Torpedoes to, you know, the stuff he was, you know, releasing in the, well into the 90s, early 2000s. It wasn't much of a difference, but a difference in his sound. He was just one of those artists that, um, I mean, geez, it feels like we've got one of them left right now, which is Springsteen. But, you know, he's just one of those guys that he stayed relevant his whole career. Stayed and, stayed relevant and just just was so steady, so steady. And whether it was his, you know, his quote unquote solo albums, which let's be honest, those are really Heartbreakers records, or the ones he did with the Heartbreakers, I don't think he put out an album that was bad. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's it's an impressive catalog, and we were talking about this. You know, you and I were talking about this earlier. You, you wanted to make a playlist. Teddy and it's like man you know that great I was thinking of, and we talked about this that greatest hits that he came out with and God, I, I know it was early 90s it even at that time it could have probably been two discs even Easily. at that time of all the hits that he had and I'm not talking about fan favorite I'm talking about legit radio hits it could have been two discs he had to leave out hits to make a greatest hits record how many people can do that well I was when I was going through Spotify I was like I'm going to try to make a a personal playlist of songs that I think are four stars or better and that most people would at least know it was Tom Petty when they were singing and I came up with 51. That's a lot. That's that's four plus albums, you know. And like you were saying earlier this week, there's nobody coming up behind him. No, that's the saddest part to me. And and it's not this isn't just Tom Petty. I mean, this is this is when we think about the last two years, you know, and I, and, and this is, I'm talking about the big ones that we've lost. Everybody from, let's just focus on rock. So let's say people like, like David Bowie, you know, like Tom Petty. Um, you know, even if you go to some people of, of the nineties, you know, where you have guys like Scott Weiland that recently passed Prince, Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell, yeah, Prince. That's a that's a that's a good example because I'm not really naming so I said focus on just rock, but he was a rock artist as well. But 
when you focus on these big stars, you know, even even George Michael, I thought he's a little bit more pop, but it's like they're the replacements are not there. You know, and don't get me wrong, this isn't us being old crusty guy saying, Oh, the music's no good anymore. Man, there's a ton of great music out there. A ton. I mean, I'm I'm buying records it seems like almost weekly that I love. But no they're not they're not superstars. They're not on the radio. Nobody knows who they are. And you know, I mean, what can you talk about that's that's really big right now who might have staying power? You could say somebody like a Taylor Swift, but you know, she fits more into the vein of, you know, I, I don't mean to insult her, but it's like she's gonna be listening to us anyway. But she's more of a replacement for, say, Madonna. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't but we don't have the replacements for the big rock stars. We just we don't have them right now. I mean, it, the, the great who's who's great out there? I mean, bands like the Killers are phenomenal, but they're not reaching that superstar thing. I mean, you've got some. I mean, there's not many left. I mean, we've got Springsteen out there. You've got bands like U2, Aerosmith. You know, you still got Keith Richards for however he's still out there. But you still got <laughs> Keith Richards. You got Jagger. You got McCartney. You don't have the next wave. No. You don't. And that's, that's, it's depressing. As, you know, especially when it comes to rock. You know, I mean, I, no offense, but I doubt people are going to be listening to Avenged Sevenfold in 25 years and saying, oh, that brings back great memories. Yeah, no, they will. I mean, they're going to be, I think they've got, an, I, you're right. They've got enough of a career where people are going to still like them, you know, 20 years from now. But they're not going to be, there's just not, there's not, like I said, there's not the Stones out there. There's not Petty. There's not the new Springsteen. It's just not out there. Yeah, so, and, um, and Tom, you think about it, really, I, I was born in 1976, so about the time his first album came out, and he's really been the soundtrack to my life. I mean, his his music has been in the background my entire life. It absolutely has, yeah, because... You know, coming up in the day of days of MTV, I mean, he was all over MTV. He was all over radio, and he stayed really, really relevant on radio through the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. through all the music changes. You know, and, and so, yeah, it's impressive. But you know, just kind of back to what I was saying too, with the as far as their the replacements aren't out there. You think of, okay, Elvis dies, but okay, you still got the Stones out there. You still got at the time. You you still have, you know, Lennon's still alive. Johnny Ca- Johnny Cash, you know. Yeah, you've got these guys that are out there, and, and man, that's a whole another point too with the country. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not. I'll stop there. I mean, if I get on a country tirade, I'll bash country for the next two hours, <laughs> um, and how they're the days of Waylon and Hank and Merle and George and Cash, and they're gone. But anyway. Yeah, Tom Petty uh, just really he appealed to everyone, and. He he wrote songs that I don't know. People may not understand what I'm saying when I say this. I feel like he wrote some songs that if other people would have sang them, they it might have sounded kind of cheesy. But the way that he did it, it just didn't come across that way. Um, no, it didn't. And just um, and the Heartbreakers. Are we, I mean, them and the E Street Band. Would you say those are the two greatest backing bands of all time? I can't think of other ones. You know, I mean, there, there's, yeah, I can't think of any of, of any others. You know, they don't usually most most artists don't really kind of go that way where it's name and right. E, you know, but those two bands were, which by the way, that's a whole other topic. The way that you have two 
you know, iconic artist. And other than a couple of solo albums with Petty and the 90s, which, by the way, was the weakest stretch of Springsteen's music by a mile, other than that period and a couple of re- records of Petty, they've all been with the Heartbreakers or East Street. Mm-hmm. And it um, shows importance to those bands. You know, not to take anything from those artists because they're legends and absolutely love their music. But, yeah, those are some powerful bands. I would love to see maybe the Heartbreakers put out an album and just have a different guest vocalist on each song. Just kind of as a, as a you know final way of saying goodbye. Cause, I mean, those guys are still going to record. Ben Montench records with everybody. And, you know, Mike Campbell is a, a musical genius. So, I mean, he's not... Well, he's a prolific writer, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, he writes for other artists. I, I just heard, as a matter of fact, uh, this last week. And I listened to the interview when it came out. I guess it was about, I don't know, a year, two years ago. Don Henley was in the studio on Howard Stern. And he talked about how Mike Campbell brought the uh the track i don't think the lyrics but he brought the he brought the instrumentation and all he brought it to uh brought boys of summer to tom petty tom petty didn't want it wow yep that was that was originally supposed to be a heartbreaker song boys of summer it's it's, it's not like he needed another hit he didn't but uh <laughs> who knows but then again it may not even be a hit had he taken it you know i mean don that's not taking anything from i want to take anything from don henley because he made a uh he made a good hit out of it. A lot of success. So, Chris, you know, we've talked about Petty and just how beloved he was and, you know, how prolific he was. Um, let's spend a few minutes here and just kind of banter back and forth on some of our favorite songs by him. Because um, you can't I, – I, I have tried numerous times this week to come up with a top five, and it changes every single time. And mine would too. I mean, there's there's a couple that are going to be in it no matter what, you know, because I'm going to go with, you know, the one that I will make my top five every time, and it's probably going to make my number one. And yeah, to some people it may seem cliche, but who cares? It's a phenomenal song. And that's American Girl. I mean, I think that is, to me, that just is the perfect example of Tom Petty. If you want to ask somebody, hey, nobody's ever heard of him. They've been living under a rock. What, what's this guy sound like? I'm going to give him American Girl. Yeah, off the first album, and usually was the for I think for the latter part of his career was the closer every night. Just a great song. I mean, again, we keep talking about because I think he, I think Springsteen is the most similar artist that he that we have of him, and American Girl is Springsteen's Born to Run. Yeah, I can see that. One that one that's always stuck out to me that I always say is my favorite, and I, I don't I never really waver on that was off the Hard Promises album, and that's the Waiting. It's a good song. And if, I had to, I'd put that as one of my favorites for sure. And if you're out there, go online and there's a video or several videos actually of uh, Tom Petty playing that with Eddie Vedder as well. Uh, that's really cool. But one of the things I really like about that song, you know, Mike Campbell, he could, I'm sure he could shred if he wanted to. Not known really for playing very many solos in a, uh, you know, in the Heartbreakers, but the solo on that song. To me, sounds like it's very simple to play, but it fits so perfectly and adds so much to the song. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Uh, another one that I would pick would be, um, as far as again, another big hit. But here comes my girl. I, I love the whole. I love the build up. I love the talk that he does leading up to the chorus. Right. Um, I love that. You know, and Butch Walker, who's one of my music heroes, he he put out an album about a year ago. 
and he has a song on there uh, that he says was, and he talks during the verse, and then big, court, powerful chorus, he says 100% influenced by Tom Petty. That's what he was looking for, is to do something like that. No, it's, that doesn't shock me. I mean, there's there's so many people that tried to tried to write songs like Petty, and and some succeeded and some failed because it uh, just I don't know, man. He was just amazing. Uh, one that I always go back to was one that he wrote with Bob Dylan, "Jamming Me." That's another good one. I've always kind of an underrated one. Kind of an underrated one. I've always uh, I've always enjoyed that, and then. Um, Another one that uh, I really love that's that was one of his big hits is uh, "Don't Come Around Here No More," especially uh, live. On my list too. Especially live at the end when they get the strobe lights going, man, that is that is a that's an amazing sight to see. Definitely on my list, and and also one of the greatest videos of all time. Yeah, you know, and he hated doing videos, and yet and that's a perfect one. And yet that one was iconic. Free falling was iconic. You know him on the. Uh, escalator and I always go back to into the great wide open into the great wide open the video for that just a great video that's yeah, good yeah and then i would say just a couple others for me i um I'm trying to think if i i mean those are the big hits that i named but a couple of them were not so much hits that i love was um the song walls off the season one soundtrack great song yeah that that's one for me um self self-titled the song off the self-titled or I'm messing this up. Song on the album of the same title, Southern Accents. Oh, that song. Um, so good. Louisiana Rain off of Damn the Torpedoes. And then off an album that is routinely slammed as his worst or one of his worst, which I actually think is not his worst, but uh, long, the album Long After Dark, first track of One Story Town. Love that song. Yeah, that is a good song. Yeah, I, I guess wrapping up the petty talk, I'll I, I throw a few out. Even the losers, um, "Free Girl Now" off Echo. Um, there was a song on his last solo album called "Flirting with Time" that uh, really is one of my favorites. But you can't go wrong with stuff like Rebels and Gosh, Free. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Free Falling or It's Good to Be King or you don't. I mean, Wildflowers, uh, Time to Move On, um, just. Uh, it's going to be sad without him, but uh, we do have the music to listen to. And uh, so, Tom, uh, rest in peace, buddy. We uh, we enjoyed seeing you back in May. So, Chris, before we segue into sad songs, um, we both, I think, have some things to talk about uh, this week. I know you you caught two really good shows, and then you have a few mm-hmm. albums a few albums to talk about. Yeah, let me. Um, I tell you what, let me just name the shows. I'll let you talk, and then we'll go back to my, we'll go back to the albums we're going to talk about, and we'll get okay. to the topic. So, uh, shows that I saw, I uh, I saw the Afghan Wigs. Went drove down to Birmingham, Alabama. You know, if you're a first time listener to to this show, I live in Memphis, Tennessee, and David lives in Jackson, Mississippi. So I drove, I took the uh, three and a half hour trip south to to Birmingham and saw the Afghan Wigs. I had only seen them once before, and it was at a festival. So it's cool to see them. Um, definitely one of my favorite bands. I think Greg Dooley is an absolute just songwriting genius. And to see Greg Dooley and John Curley, the bassist, see them on stage, it was it was a real treat to see them that close. Um, great show. Uh, highly recommend checking out their catalog. We have a great uh, great video of Debonair on our YouTube channel that Chris shot. Yeah, really close up and um, 
actually sounds really good too, as close as I was, because it was very distorted being that close. But Chris, it actually I, came out pretty well. I haven't asked you this. How how many people were there? You know, I don't know. It was it was a it was a pretty small place, but it was it was packed in there. Um, there were a few hundred, I would say. You know, it, it's uh, they sell out a lot of places, but I, I didn't expect it to be a sellout in Birmingham. But but it was it was a decent crowd, especially for a band that was let's face it, they were in minor hits in the early nineties, you know, very minor. And they just they just kinda have that kinda have that cult following and a lot of our heroes, David, love love this band. Um Yeah. Yeah, you know, just uh, love Greg Dooley. But I saw that. That was last Saturday and then just the other night I uh saw Wilco at here in Memphis and you and I have talked about on this podcast before that we, we you know we love Uncle Tupelo and we love early Wilco, but they've kind of they kind of lost us on the last couple albums, and so I wasn't really thinking about going. And you know, I've seen them several times before, but my my cousin saw them in Dallas. That this was the show was on Thursday, and he saw them in Tuesday, on Tuesday in Dallas, and he texted me from the show, and he he would agree with us, you know, the newer stuff is just not quite for him. But he told me, he said, man, if, if you get a chance to go, he, he didn't know they were playing two nights later in Memphis. He said, if you get a chance to go see Wilco this tour, go. He says, it's the best I've ever seen them. And he said, they're, they're throwing out a bunch of old goodies. And he said, the band was just on fire. And so I went to the show, and he was right. They were phenomenal, sounded good. And they, uh, they just did, it was a real rounded set list. It wasn't just a focus on, on new stuff. Yeah, I'm looking right now. They did they did one off of AM, which is their first record. But being there, their second album, they played four songs off that, five off from Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, four off of Ghost is Born. Um, unfortunately only played one off Summer Teeth, but very cool and in Encore. And we do have this video on our um on our social on our Facebook and Twitter. They brought out Jody Stevens, is which is the drummer of legendary band Big Star. It's based out of Memphis, for people that don't know that. Jody Stevens still lives in Memphis, and he was the drummer of Big Star. And so, so they brought Glenn, stepped aside, and Jody got behind the kit. They played uh, Box Full Letters in the first encore. And then the last song of the first encore was In the Street, which is a Big Star song. So that was super cool. And then they started the second encore with The Waiting by The Heartbreakers. Oh. So... Cool show, very very cool show, and closed the show out with out of sight, out of mind. Uh, great song, yeah. I, I wish I could have gone. I, I know you went on kind of last minute's notice, but uh, we do. Yeah, we got tickets two, maybe maybe two hours before the show started. Yeah, we got uh, via Chicago and box full of letters up on our YouTube site. Oh, th- and thanks to the people that have been going to uh, uh, our YouTube page. Uh, we're getting a lot of views on some things, so uh, we'll continue. We're coming. Yeah, we'll continue to add to that. Um, the only real thing I have new to add is uh, most people that know me know I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, and they famously, I don't know, 1972, when they were recording Dark Side of the Moon, set up and uh, performed inside the uh, amphitheater in uh, Pompeii. And uh, underneath, uh, not far from, uh, uh, what's the uh, volcano, Mount Vesuvius that erupted and. um Anyway, the I, I think that's it. It's the big volcano in the background, and they didn't have anybody in the crowd. They just did this, recorded this video. It's kind of a cult classic. Well, David Gilmore on his latest tour performed there, 
And so they don't let people actually sit in the amphitheater because, you know, it's ancient ruins. So they only let people come and stand on the ground in front of the stage. So they it, it could only hold 3,600 people. And uh, it was a typical Pink Floyd-like light show. And uh, it they released it on a uh, Blu-ray called Live at Pompeii. The visuals on it are stunning. Uh, it's one of the most well-done uh, rock concerts I've seen. And, uh, of course, you know, David Gilmore, one of the kings of tone, um, just uh, plays great. But if you're a Pink Floyd fan, I highly recommend dropping a few dollars and uh, and getting that and watching it on your sound system. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Sounds cool. I'll have to check that out. All right. So you've got a couple of albums you want to talk about as well, right? Yeah. One I wanted to bring up. I, I um I wanted to bring up, I thought about bringing up last week when uh, we finished up our, uh, was it last week when Todd was here? I think it was, right? We released that one with Rick. So two weeks ago, we had, uh, I wanted to talk about it then, but it just didn't really work time-wise. So, so this album's been out a few weeks, but the newest from one of my favorite bands, of one of my favorite artists, is uh, Hot Water Music, and I just love Chuck Reagan, who's in this band. But Hot Water Music is, uh, they started out, for people that are, that are not really aware, they're considered punk. Their early stuff had almost a little bit of a hardcore sound. Two vocalists, you got both Chuck Reagan and Chris Wallard, and I said I'm like obsessed with, with Chuck Reagan, but Chris Wallard has also made a couple of phenomenal solo records, so don't, you know, don't sleep on his solo music. But uh, they released their first album in, in a few years, and... You know the past couple of records that they put out, they're they're not bad, but they haven't been great to me. I think this is a bit this is a, the best one they put out in a long time. It's called Light It Up, and there's a few things I would just point out on this album. It's uh, at times a little bit more aggressive than anything they put out in the past few years, which is which is good, and um, and then also they. Uh, some of the lyrics, and you know, David, you and I were listening to this when we were waiting on, on Todd to come over. It, it was, uh, it's more, it seems more uplifting than stuff they've done in the past. It's a really positive album, which I know it's like, okay, punk and positive, you know, that, that doesn't go together. Uh, you know, I like tuna, I like ice cream. I don't want tuna flavored ice cream, <laughs> but um, it works. And uh, it's, it's cool. I, I like it. There's a lot of songs on here that I just love. Another thing too, just to point out is, is um, I notice more emphasis on backing vocals and harmonies in this album, which is very, very cool. In particular, yeah, I think it's the last song, Take You Away. Chuck is singing this one, but Chris Wallard is just killing it with his background vocals. But other songs, uh, Hold Out, High-Class uh, high Catastrophe, Barrier Idols, those are some Chuck songs. Um, Rabbit Key is a great Chris, Chris Wallard song, and like. Every hot water music, the rhythm section is just—it'll it, knock you out. Yeah, you know, I know punk, that's not really common, but man, this this bassist and this drummer, Jason Black, George Bello—they are phenomenal. They're jazz-trained musicians. Check this band out if you've never heard them. They're a great, great band. Yeah, I listened. Uh, I listened to uh, man. I want to say the first three songs the other day driving into work, and you know, I, I, punk is not necessarily my thing, but. It did not come across to me as traditional sounding punk. I, I, I actually, uh, I, I rather enjoyed the three songs that I listened to. And they, you know, and I will say, the fat, the the last few songs are way better than the first few. The album just gets better as it goes along. 
And then the other one I was going to bring up is uh, Michael Graves. Michael Graves, and unfortunately, I don't know when this album came out. You, um, I think it's only available as a, as a, uh, as a download. Uh, I've tried to find a hard copy. But Michael Graves is, uh, he was the, he, when the Misfits got back together in the late 90s, he was a replacement singer for, for uh, Glenn Danzig. And, you know, there's some mixed opinions on, on Graves, but, uh, but a lot of people, myself included, absolutely loved that period. It had a little bit more of a metal sound, but he was a phenomenal, phenomenal replacement. I mean, I think one of the better replacements. And, you know, those records, uh, American Psycho, you know, Famous Monsters, I think they're pretty hard to find these days. But if you can, get your hands on them. You know, listen to them. It's great misses. Anyway, he, um, Graves is a guy that still does, you know, he still does the punk stuff, but he, he really just kind of branches out there. And he put out a new album called Backroads. And if you look it up, I think it's, I think it's listed on iTunes as a, as a folk record. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd really call it folk or, or country, but it's, but it is his take on like how Greg Graffin of, of Bad Religion recently put out kind of an Americana album. Chuck Reagan's put all these. It's kind of his way of doing that, I think. But it's really good, man. I just think this album is, um, it's got so much feel, so much heart, and, and so much emotion. I, I just think it's a, I think it's a really, really beautiful record. Uh, songs to listen to. First one, the title album, Backroads. Worst Day of My Life. Condemned to Love. All the Troubles. You catching a pattern here, people? It's um, <laughs> uh, the last in the last one. Am I nothing at all? And I think that song could easily fit on our topic tonight of sad songs. Um, this guy just is a he, he fascinates me, man. Everything from you know his his way of thinking and and life and all. It's a little bit different outside of the, the typical realm of punk. You know, he was the one that when I first got into um, when I first got into learning more about the West Memphis Three, I, uh, it was because of him. Because I, I, was, I kept seeing some of the more radical people that were supporting these guys. And when I saw somebody like Graves, I was like, it almost kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, to look into it. And, and, and Graves was actually kind enough to uh, respond to me. This is several years ago, back in the days of MySpace. He was kind enough to respond to a message I sent him talking about how he kind of got me into it and trying to do my, my research and trying to make the right decision. And, it was really cool. It made me feel pretty good. He responded He's like, man, it's not often I, I talk to somebody that truly gets it. And, um, sent me his personal email at that time. And just never really, I don't know if I ever even emailed him again. I should have, but just, he seems like the most down to earth guy and his music is, is great. So I could go on and on about this guy, but he's, um, let's go and throw it out there for the first time tonight, David. He's criminally <laughs> underrated. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a really cool story that you got though. Yeah. He, well, you know, he actually did an album, too, called, uh, called Illusions, and this also is going to be difficult to find. You know, you're probably going to have to pay, you know, fork out some bucks if you find it. But he did an album with um, when Damien Eccles of the West Memphis Three was still in prison. He did an album called, uh, called Illusions. And I want to say, it, and it's titled, you know, Michael Graves and Damien Eccles. And I think that Damien wrote the lyrics or co-wrote the lyrics on maybe four of the songs, Definitely the best song on there, Frostbite, and which is just kind of a haunting song if you listen to it. And uh, you know, Graves, guys like Vetter and Natalie Maines and Johnny Depp, they're they're always the ones that people are like, oh wow, they did so much for the West Memphis Three. Graves probably did 
as much, if not more, than any of them. But he wasn't a big enough name to get the credit. Um, I think this guy was instrumental in the work that he did. I mean, he wasn't just out there, you know, saying, hey, they're, they're innocent. I mean, this guy really put a huge, huge focus on it. Um, did a lot of shows in Arkansas. And, I mean, anyway, Michael, if you're listening to us, do a podcast with us, buddy. I'd yeah, love to pick your brain. Yeah, we'll definitely I'd love to pick your brain, man. You're a fascinating dude. We'll definitely uh, tag him uh, on Twitter when we post it. So, uh, Chris, uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about sad songs. Um, I uh, I have a long list here, and I'll admit some of these are sad, and I kind of have a story to go along with them as how it relates to me, and some of them are just songs that I find sad, and you know, a lot of times you, you can. When you're feeling really down, uh, you get a sad song, and for whatever reason, it makes you feel a little bit better. Uh, and then other times, you know, uh, it doesn't do that. It makes you even sadder. But that's the sometimes point. you can't listen to them anymore. Right. That's I have an album that I'm going to talk about where that's the case. But uh, music, uh, especially for people like us, uh, just plays a big part in our life. And so, uh, not everything's the world's not always a happy place, as we learned this week. So, no. Um, I guess I'll throw it to you and let you um, let you start us off. Well, let's a little bit little bit of brief backstory how this even came about, and and honestly, I don't know if I even told you this. Last Saturday before the before the Afghan League show, you know, our mutual friend and I were uh, having a beer, just talking music, and and uh, we were talking about a future idea that we wanted to do for this podcast, and. It involves you too. I won't give away the topic, but it involves you too. And and this buddy of ours, he he said, uh, you know, another great song has some great albums on. It's kind of overlooked is Rattle and Hum. And I said, yeah, I said, and you know, one song on there, and with the song I'm talking about, Love Rescue Me. I brought it up to him and I kind of told the story behind it. And I was like, what man, that's a good podcast episode. And so I immediately text David. He's like, "Man, I love that idea." And so I just started. While we're sitting here having a couple, while we're sitting at the bar having a couple of drinks, I just started putting some first thoughts into my head. I was like, "Man, we can really work something with this." So that being said, I'm going to start with "Love Rescue Me" by you too. And you know where this comes from is uh, I was uh, I was fifth grade, and my dog um, had he had a brain tumor. And this was the first pet I'd ever lost. And, you know, he was a German shepherd. And anybody that's ever had a shepherd knows that they're always kind of, they love their family, but they always kind of take a, especially take a liking to one person. And I was that person. And he was just, we were so attached. And he was only six when he passed. And I was telling Shannon, I remember, you know, it's back in the days when, you know, as kids, we still took baths. And I was taking a bath and I had my, my boom box in there playing, you know, Rattle and Hump, which at the time was a big album when I was in fifth grade. That was, that's around the time when it was released. And I told him, I was like, you know, Love Rescue Me came on. And I'm sitting there, and it had probably only been a couple, a day or two since my, my dog had passed, and I literally broke down. I mean, bawling like a baby listening to that song. And so... I cannot listen to that song to this day without thinking of him. Uh, I can listen to it, and I love it, but if I'm not in the right place, I don't really want to listen to it. 
Um, but I think it's a beautiful, beautiful song. But it's it's so sad. I mean, and if you just listen to the lyrics to it, it's um, it gets to me. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Songs that that do that uh, do that to you. Um, it's definitely a very powerful powerful thing, and it's obvious. You know how long you're in fifth grade, so that was what twenty something year, twenty five, thirty years ago. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a a cool story. Um, I got a feeling, Chris, that between your list and my list, this is going to be all over the place. Um, I'm sure. The first song I'm going to go with is a song off of uh, Bob Dylan's Time Out of Mind album from the uh, mid to late 90s. It's a song called Not Dark Yet. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's my interpretation of the lyrics is that uh, it's a guy that's made a lot of uh, a lot of bad decisions in his life, and he's had to uh, he's had to deal with the consequences and he um he's facing the end of his life and um you know he's saying it, it's getting dark but it's not dark yet um it's a very just very powerful bob dylan song that um i kind of stumbled upon uh years ago when i got into kind of a dylan kick and time out of mind was a really good album but if you've never heard it it's called not dark yet and it's just a very haunting uh, Bob Dylan song, uh, one that I really love. Well, and I've got to admit, I've never really given it a, a fair shake just because I, you know, I'm not saying anything people don't already know here. Bob Dylan really completely changed sound-wise over the years, and uh, I just really haven't paid attention to him for the last, you know, several years. And I think that was early 2000s, right? I think it was. I think it was actually. I think it was like '97. It had a couple of songs on it that were covered by other people. I think the song Mississippi was on it, and I think, um, I'm, gosh, I think it's like I'm gonna make you love or love me, or I think that's the name of it. A lot of people have covered it, but anyway, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a a very, uh, very moving song. Yeah. Well, um, next one I'm gonna go with. Well, I guess we'll get out of these first ones and just because I know we can probably start rapid firing at some point. So I'm gonna get some ones where there's a little bit of stories behind it. One of mine is uh it's not the definitely not the happiest thing, but um Duran Duran, ordinary world. You know, for some people this may not necessarily I mean it, it's a it's a it's a definitely a slow song and on. I I really don't even have to pay attention to the lyrics so much. It's just this song this is gonna sound a little bit strange, but I was for a while, I was almost afraid to hear this song. And the reason why is I remember after um, after my grandfather passed, this um, this song, I guess this was back, I want to say 2000, maybe 2004, my, uh, my grandfather passed, and um, I heard this song while we were, I don't remember if we were going to the funeral, if it was just around the funeral, or I don't even remember. The song came on. And just one of those songs that because of the emotions that you're going through losing somebody, it just has that, it has that sound. And um, it just kind of, it kind of struck me at that time. About two months later, I don't remember where I was. I think I was in a store. And um, I was in a store somewhere, and, and that song came on. And actually, it made me think of my grandfather. Well, that day, I found out my cousin passed on that same side of the family. 
And so I was starting to tie this song into death. And uh, I did not want to hear this song after that. I know it you know, may sound a little odd to some people, but that's why when I hear that song, it still kind of kind of brings up a lot of emotion to me. You know, losing two people that I loved. Yeah, so it's it's a song that not is not necessarily, you know, sad per se, but it brings back sad memories, which is which has the same effect. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we've had Bob Dylan and Duran Duran and uh, you two so far. Um, get crazier. I, I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm gonna get some of the stories out of the way. So um, I had kind of a dark time in my life in the in for about a four or five year stretch and. Uh, a, a lot of nights I laid in bed with uh, headphones on and listened to music. And one of the albums that I listened to was Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Change, his Degradation Trip Volume 1 and 2 album. And a lot of this album is about him trying to come to terms with um, the death of Lane Staley. And um, there was there's numerous songs on there that I think are really, really good. But... Um, there's a song called Gone on there that has just always gotten to me. And um, I purposefully do not really listen to this album anymore because it does bring up a lot of bad memories. And I guess it was a month or two ago, I was at the gym on the treadmill listening to some music, and somehow you and I got to texting, and something came up about this album. And I, I, I really probably hadn't listened to it in 10 years. And so I... Um, I flipped over to uh, to it on Spotify and listened to it while I was at the gym. And, and on the way home, I, I was telling my wife, I was like, it's just crazy how, like, I haven't listened to this album in years, and I listened to this, this song in particular, and it just brings up so many bad memories. And I was like, it's just, it's a fantastic album, but uh, it's just one that I don't, I don't listen to because like you said, with ordinary world, it brings up bad memories, but the song gone on there. Um, I, I highly, uh, recommend it. Listen to the lyrics to it. And, uh, you'll see that Jerry Cantrell, uh, had a lot going on. And while, just while I'm on him, I'm going to go to another one that, that really tear, tears me up every time I hear it. It's a song by Alice in Chains called black gives way to blue. And this was on their first album without Lane Staley. And while I was researching the song, Staley, I mean, uh, Contrell basically admits that he had never fully dealt with, you know, Lane's death. And so this song was basically his way of putting closure to that. And he said when he was writing the song and until they got it recorded, he got physically ill so many times that he went to the doctor and thought he was dying. And they were laying down some tracks for the song, and, and Elton John happened to be recording at the same studio. And so he was talking with Elton one day, and Elton was telling him what a big fan he was of, of Lane and the band. And so Jerry was like, we have this song. Would you consider playing piano on it? And so Elton John came down and played piano on Black Gives Way to Blue, and it's really him and the rest of the band, as he says, finally saying goodbye to Lane. And uh, putting, you know, trying to put the negative, the negativity from that they felt, you know, after he died behind them. And there's a bonus version that where they, it's basically just Elton John on piano with Cantrell singing. And it is a, it is a gut wrencher. 
So uh, sorry I jumped ahead, but while I was on Cantrell, I figured I might as well go to, to the Alice in Chains song. No, it's all good because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two at one time just for an artist as well, just because uh, one of them and I'll get to the I'll get to the one that I, I didn't in, intentionally and yeah I was I was initially I wasn't gonna include this one, but we started talking about it. It's like man after um, after Tom Petty passed and yeah all of our conversations about. You know, who's next? You know, who's next up? You know, we don't have any replacements. It got me thinking, well, George Jones, who's going to fill their shoes? And, I mean, that's exactly what the song is about. Who replaces these guys? The greats. And uh, I just think it's a, uh, it's it's it for this time. Losing all the people that we've lost music-wise in the past year and a half, two years. You know, this is just... Um, I've always thought it's a pretty sad song, but it's, you know, especially in losing some of these artists, it's like, man, who 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 is going to replace these guys? So, who's going to fill their shoes? And uh, the next one I'd go with, with by George Jones is honestly, I think one of the saddest songs of all time, and that, and I also think it's one of the greatest country songs of all time. And that's he stopped loving her today. And uh, David, have you ever paid attention to the lyrics in this song? Yeah. Say you know I, I've always loved George Jones. I never really paid attention to the lyrics that much, you know. And it wasn't that long ago when I really just kind of sat there and listened to it. I was like, oh good God, this is this is awful, you know. And if, if you if you've heard the song, you don't really know what it's about. You think, oh he you know he stopped loving her today. You may think, okay, well he's not in love with her anymore. Oh no, not what's it, what it's about. It's a guy just saying he he said he'd love her. It starts off saying he, he said I'll love you till the day I died. Or till the day I die, and um, you know they obviously got separated, and you know he wasn't with her, but he he always continued to love her, and uh, to get to the chorus and it says he stopped loving her today. They placed the wreath upon his door, and soon they'll carry him away. He stopped loving her today, and then the part that just gets me, and says you know she came to see him one last time. Oh, and we all wondered if she would. Oh, and we all wondered if she would. And it kept running through my mind. This time he's gone for good. He's, and so and it says, you know, they, it, it's just, you know, so he, when he stops in, in the story, when he stops loving her is when he finally dies. And his love, who I guess he couldn't get back, she comes to visit him. You know, I guess when he, he can take it, it's just, it's a, it's a sad song, man. I mean, any time I hear that. Yeah, I mean, those guys from that generation could write such just Deep, sad songs. I mean, I, with with no effort. That'll rip your heart out. That song. I mean, that that is one of the saddest. You know, as far as when you're dealing with love, that 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 may be the like the saddest when you're talking talking about just love. You know, right? Especially when you listen to the uh, the lyrics. Well, the next yeah. the next one I'm going to go with is kind of the last one that has like any real personal. Um, I guess uh, has a personal relationship with me is uh bad by you too and uh there's been a lot of theories as to what this is about and i think basically bono's come out and said it's about a friend of theirs that was a heroin addict and overdosed and died and it's you know bono trying to um basically trying to help the guy and saying you know i kind of wish i could take this away from you and you know i could burden you know share this burden with you but the reason it kind of gets to me is it's kind of like you're saying, uh, I was really close to my grandfather and when he died, uh, it was very, very hard on me. 
And uh, that was about the time that U2 released a uh, video, a concert video called Live from Boston. And they performed bad. And in it, at the end, they tail off into 40, which if you're familiar with that song, it's basically Psalm 40 out of the Bible that Bono is singing. And they segue from that into where the streets have no name. And um, if you know what the, where the streets have no name about, it's basically uh, Bono's uh, vision of heaven where your street doesn't dictate uh, your place in life. And in Ireland, you know, where he grew up, the name of your street dictated usually whether you were Catholic or Protestant, you know, and, and, and they've had their problems. But I watched that over and over and over again, the, you know, the nights and days after my grandfather died. And uh, the song Bad uh, just has always, uh, always meant a lot to me. And so uh, for that reason, I decided to choose it. And, you know, that's the beauty of music, too, just whereas I hear that song, and it's, it's my favorite U2 song, and I don't really, obviously it's something you went through in your life, but I, I hear that song, and I don't don't necessarily hear sorrow. It's just, it's a song I love to hear. Yeah. You know, um, and it's just, music has different stories for everyone. I mean, obviously, you name a song like, He Stopped Loving Her Today, I mean, well, I don't think anybody can find that as a happy tune. Right. But, um, but... Yeah, certain songs though, even like with Ordinary World, I'm talking about Duran Duran. That perhaps for everybody else, that may not necessarily do much for you, but it's a song I've literally feared. Um, you know, one that I'm gonna pick is not necessarily. It's not a story. Right now, but it will be a story, and I can explain. Um, I'm gonna go with Butch Walker. It's a song called Father's Day, and if anybody knows anything about this guy. He was super, super close to his dad. And there's actually a Butch Walker documentary. I think it's called Out of Focus, which is just amazing. It shows the relationship that he had with his dad. And it's just, it's it's really, really cool, you know, because um, I, I have an amazing relationship with my dad as well. And, you know, Butch Walker released an album um a couple years ago and it's uh it's actually slipping my mind now the name of it um here let me look it up but anyway he released this album and the whole it was the whole thing was basically inspired by his dad and a lot of you know the loss of his dad the name of the album is called afraid of ghost and there's a song on there called father's day and, you know, the video, if you watch the video, uh, if you've never heard this song, I'd, I'd encourage you to go on to YouTube and, and, you know, David, maybe you and I can post this, but it's, uh, it's one of the coolest things, yet saddest things I've ever seen. He, uh, he basically put out, I guess it was through his website, you know, anybody has any kind of pictures of, of their dad that they would like to use, you know, them and their dad, he was going to use this for his video. And it shows him going up to a real, a real to real, you know, home movie, and it just shows clips one after another of people that are strangers to him, but his fans, pictures of them with their dad, you know, and, and it shows who they are and all this, and maybe a brief little something about their dad, and at the end it shows Butch and his dad, and you know, just some of the lyrics of it, just to start out the song, 
15th of June came tumbling through the door. Your bedroom smelled like your cologne. I was laying on the floor. A thief in the middle of the night, if night came to stay. I feel the walls go rumbling like the sound of your name. And I go into the, uh, I'll go to the last course leading into the, the last verse. Here I am, all bittersweet and dirty feet, running as fast as they can. Where do I go without you? Heaven only knows. Sunday morning, Father's Day, the first day without, the first without my dad. As I look into my little boy's eyes, it takes all I have. Not to break down right in front of him when he smiles. You don't become a man until you lose your dad, you see. And the reason why I said this was, I love this song, and I realize that someday, someday I may not be able to listen to this song. So I guess that's the only one I have really on the future. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a powerful song. That is. That is. Those, those lyrics are, uh, are amazing. Yeah. Um, the next song I'm going to go with, uh, Don't Laugh At Me, People, uh, Kelly Clarkson, a song that she recently put out called Piece by Piece. And if you've heard this song... It's about how her father just cru- crushed her her whole life by disappointing her and uh, basically tearing her apart piece by piece. And the end of the song, she's singing about basically meeting the guy that was going to be her husband and how he restored her faith in men piece by piece. And if you go on YouTube, she actually performed it on um, American Idol on the last season of American Idol, and she could not get through the song. She was crying and kind of had to have some help. And uh, I think all of the judges were crying when she got through. I know we may not talk about Kelly Clarkson uh, ever again on this podcast, but I, I personally think she has a powerhouse voice. But she does. this is one of the saddest songs. And just it, it was cool to see her perform that and start crying because she realized, like, this isn't, this isn't me writing a song trying to trying to make money off of it. This is you know this is real life, and uh, it's just a very very heartbreaking song. But in the end, it's uplifting. So the first half's pretty rough. The second half uh, restores her faith in humanity. Oh wow! Yeah, I have to check that out. Um, yeah, I won't goof on you on that one. I mean, what man? It's like we said, music's subjective. Um, you know, I'm going to go with one. Uh, God, there's so many I could just pick right now. But um, I'm going to go with one where it just it, it always kind of makes me think of a, a very sad movie. Um, and this is a painfully sad song. But Roy Orbison, Life Fades Away. And um, it's, on the, it's on the movie Lesson Zero. And if anybody's seen Lesson Zero, you know, it's uh, Robert Downey Jr. I mean almost a uh almost a uh autobiography but um a preview of what was to come yeah i mean it's just uh just short of the end i mean it was pretty much his life but he plays a major major junkie and at the end he really wants to get clean and andrew mccarthy and um can't think of her name uh another one of those you know chicks from the 80s but they're um they're driving off and they're going to drive away together and get him clean, get him help. He's finally really wanting to do it. And as they're driving, sun's coming up, you know, he's basically come, you know, he's, they take him away. He's, you know, high as a kite and he's, they're driving away and 
as the sun's coming up, they look back at him and he's dead. And they're playing the song like all of a sudden life fades away, but Roy Orbison comes in and and the lyrics are just painful. Um I mean absolutely painful. You know, uh if you've never heard this song, listen to this one. Um yeah, it just makes you think, you know, I mean, it's not, not just the people because of drugs or anything like that, but, I mean, think about what, just, just the title alone, if you've never even heard the song, Life Fades Away, I mean, just losing people. Um, From what I've read, Roy Orbison had a very hard life anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really heard much about that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at, I, I pulled up some of these lyrics and all, and I'm just looking at this one right now, I mean, just one thing that immediately... Uh, immediately drawn to is I'm tired of tomorrow lost for today I long to be at peace forever my eternity and even though I will miss you I must leave you mm. but yeah <laughs> that's a rough well Chris it wouldn't be a David and Chris podcast if we didn't talk about a person that we think is one of the best uh, emotional singers there he is so I'm going to go with Break Your Heart from the last Gaslight Anthem album good one um, my wife loves this song. I've let her listen to it several times. And, you know, I, this is when he was going through his divorce. But, you know, it just has the line like, it would break your heart if you knew how much I love you. And uh, it's just a, uh, man, it's a gut-wrenching song. And I think that song probably, uh, if you ask him off the record, would probably tell you that song has a lot of meaning to him. Well, yeah, I mean, he got... Uh... I don't know how things line up, but I think that was the album right after his divorce. Yeah. So, yeah, a very sad song, but uh, listen to that one. Uh, it's very good. Uh, Brian Fallon can do no wrong, at least in our eyes. Oh, absolutely. So, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with, I'm going to go back to another country artist. And, um, you know, I, I told you this one, David. I was telling you this was going to make it. And I don't know if you ever got a chance to listen to it, but um, Johnny Paycheck. Outlaw's Prayer. There is uh, just something about this song, in particular the very ending of this song, that just, it's a rare moment that I can listen to this song and I don't tear up. Has no necessarily meaning behind it. It's just, the story of the song is, you know, Johnny Paycheck is this, I mean, everybody, if you know anything about it, I mean, that, that dude, when it comes to outlaw countries, it, guys, this, was, this guy was the real deal. I mean, he was a rough one. Um, and he's talking about, you know, basically just kind of, he's talking about how hypocritical, I guess, you know, churches can be, you know, cause he was talking about how he goes up to church and he's, he's wanting to go in and cause he hears the, the great music coming from this church and he, he wants to go in, you know, and just check it out. And he says, before he could get there, somebody, um, said they can't let him in with the, uh, the jeans and the beard and his long hair. And uh, he just starts talking about how, you know, that he he says in there, you know, this guy's got a this guy's got a hell of a nerve, you know, keep you know telling me I can't worship there, and he and he, he says that uh, he says right there in front of that church, I just knelt down on my knees and I said, Lord, I know I don't look like much, but I didn't think you'd mind. I just wanted to be with your people, Lord. It's been a long time, and a lot of other lyrics I could name, but the, but more than any of them, it gets to the end. And uh, he says, uh, you know, Lord, I'm not perfect. Some even call me no, 
no account. But I'll tell you, I believe a man I believe a man is judged by what's in his heart, not in his bank account. So if this is what religion is, a big car, a suit and a tie, then I might as well forget it, Lord, because I can't qualify. Oh, and by the way, Lord, before they kick me out, didn't I see a picture of you with sandals and a beard? I believe you had long hair, too. Well, this is paycheck signing off. I'll be seeing you, Lord. I hope. And that's the part that gets me every time right there. He goes, well, this is paycheck signing off. I'll be seeing you, Lord. I hope. That's a pretty cool lyric. And that, I mean, it gets me every single time I hear that. And you just hear how it's just like it's, there's just, there's a passion. It's like there's so much emotion. In it. And he's basically talking the whole song. But, yeah, that's a sad one to me. The next one I'm going to go with is uh, one of your favorite bands, Chris. I'm going to go with House of Pain by Faster Pussycat. Oh, that uh, is a sad tune, man. And, uh, true story, too. True story. And, it, you know, is is it about Tammy? Absolutely. So I guess it's about him having an absent father and a rough home life. Um, and it's uh, it's different from anything else in their catalog. It has a harmonica in it. And... Uh, it's a really good song, and every time I've ever I've never seen them live, but every video I've ever seen, he always usually like sits down and smokes a cigarette and drinks a beer when he sings it. Yeah, he does. Uh, the lyrics are very, uh, very, very deep, you know. And a lot of people say, "Well, it's Faster Pussycat," you know. They're just a sleaze rock band. Uh, there's a little more to it than that, especially on this song. That's for sure. Uh, was their biggest hit. Uh, it was all over MTV, and you listen to the lyrics. It's pretty sad. Well, I'll go ahead and stay in the same, you know, almost somewhat in the same vein of music. I'm going to go with this one. It would really probably surprise you, but uh, as soon as I say it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, definitely. The Scream, Father, Mother, Son. Oh, yeah. Um, this song is basically the guy dies, and he's just giving thanks to each person. You know, he starts off, Father, thanks for playing with my friends and me. I'm glad they got to meet the man I know. And he, he just goes goes on and on. He, of course, if I could talk to you one more time, I know we'd work things out just like before. Um, and then it gets to the it gets to the end, and um, he says, "Mother, father, I hope to see you soon, and things will be just like before. I'm sending all my love and watching from above, and I'll be in their hearts forevermore." Um, I just think it's a really cool tune. Like I said, kind of giving thanks and, to people and telling them how much he loves them, and he can't you know he, he can't wait. He can hardly wait till he gets to see it again. Chris, if I'm not mistaken, that's on that Unplugged album he put out, isn't it? I think it is. Because the, the Scream, it's so hard to find that album. You have to pay a ton on uh, on Amazon. But if you go to John Karabi's uh, Unplugged album, I'm pretty sure that's on there. It, you're right. That's a, that's a phenomenal song. Here, let, me, let me tell you right quick. Just let me look it up here. I'm sitting in front of my computer. Um, let's see. All right, here we go. Yeah, it is. On the Unplugged album with John Krabi, it's on there. Yeah, so uh, get that and uh, listen to it on there. We might as well stay in the kind of that same hard rock vein. I'm going to go with Warrant's I Saw Red, which is a uh, a true story of Janie Lane walking in on his girlfriend with another man. And... Uh, uh, you know, Walt literally opens the door and all he saw was red because his heart was breaking. And there's a really good version of it you can find where it's just uh, an acoustic guitar and him on piano that's really, uh, really moving. Uh, you know, we've said numerous times, one of the great songwriters of that of that time. 
Yeah, definitely. All right, I've got one that's going to go up there with George Jones as far as one of the saddest songs ever. And this is, uh, again, got to be in the right time, of, right frame of mind to listen to this, but Warren Zevon, Keep Me in Your Heart. Oh, yeah. Um, God knows. The God knows. He has terminal you know, cancer. He knows he's you know, not going to be around much longer. And he writes this song that you can basically interpret as a, uh, a goodbye to his, his friends and his family. And uh, I don't need to say anything more than what I just said the name of the song is, Keep Me in Your Heart. For a while. I just always thought that was so sad. And was that the last song that he played on Letterman? I, I, I can't remember. I, I know what you're talking about. I saw that whole performance where he's on the entire show, but I cannot remember. Well, I'm going to uh, change uh, course here a little bit and go with uh, a song called Let Down by Radiohead. I mentioned it in one of my, in our favorite songs episodes. Uh, this song, if you, it has a cool vo- verse, I mean, chorus that's kind of, you know, kind of catchy, but it's really talking about uh, just walking around and realizing that everybody's walking around feeling like, feeling crushed like a bug by life. And it, is this all there is to life? You know, we all had these great hopes and aspirations and life has just crushed them. And so we're all walking around let down. Uh, so Radiohead, that's off OK Computer. Uh, a great song, but uh, listen to the lyrics. It's really deep. It's really sad. I do have one more. That has a, it just, I mean, there's not much of a story to, to this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a Hank Williams song out there that a lot of people would you know, naturally think I'm going to go with, you know, I'm so lonesome I could cry. But that's not the one I choose. I, um, this is when I was first kind of starting to broaden my horizons with music. We've talked about this so many times on this podcast about us kind of starting to explore other stuff. But um, I was in high school, and I uh, I really went out there on a limb, you know, from all my hard rock. And I uh, bought a Hank Williams' greatest hits. And my grandparents, of course, loved Hank Williams, grandmother especially. And one day we were just talking. I think we were going somewhere, and a bunch of us in the car, and we start talking, start talking music with my grandmother. She loved music, loved country. I mean, real country. And I started talking about different songs, and um, I brought up Wedding Bells. And I started talking about, you know, the lyrics and all, which is basically about, you know, how he's getting an invitation in the mail to go see a girl marry another guy, you know, the girl that he loves, going to go marry somebody. And just talking about the difficulties of it. And um, my grandmother, I mean, I kind of I laughed. It's so sweet and all, but she just... She broke down crying. She knew she knew the song. She remembered the song, and she just broke. She just started crying as we're talking about that song. And I always thought that was kind of a cool thing. But um, yeah, Hank Williams, Wedding Bells. Oh, Hank! Oh, Hank could write a sad song, couldn't he? He didn't write many happy ones. <laughs> well, I'm going to kind of rapid fire a few, and and then let you rapid fire a few. Um, I'm going to go with the replacements. Here comes a regular. Um, which to me is a sad song. Um, I, th- I think it's basically about a guy that goes to a bar over and over every day and gets drunk by himself. Um, Elton John's Candle in the Wind, uh, a very touching song. Um, Tom Petty Echo off the album Echo, and that's his divorce album, and listen to the lyrics of Echo. That is some, that's deep hurt that, uh, that he was going through at the time. Skid Row in a Darkened Room. My interpretation of it is it's about a priest abusing 
a, a member of a boy that goes to his church. That's my interpretation. I've read numerous interpretations, but nonetheless, a sad song. And then one um, that's um, fairly new to me. Uh, it's by a band called The National, and it's their version of the Grateful Dead's version of Morning Dew, which is actually a cover song, I think, of a folk singer. But the song is about uh, it's the two last people, the two people, the last two people left on Earth after a nuclear apocalypse. And the way the National, the Grateful Dead version doesn't do anything for me. Uh, but the way the national cover it, it is just very, uh, very emotional, very tense. Uh, Shiver and Shake off the latest Ryan Al- Adams album. You know, I actually had that on my list. Go listen to that and just try Painful. not, try not to just drive off a bridge. And then I'm going to go, let's see what I have left here. Uh, oh, two more. Uh, Band of Horses has a song called No One's Gonna Love You. Go uh, listen to that live at the Ryman. Phenomenal song. Great harmonies. Listen to the lyrics. Very touching. And then the last one, um, a guy from a guy that just left us recently. It's a song called Shadow of the Day by Linkin Park. Um, I really love it. And it's it's a... Most people think it's about, uh, which this is kind of prophetic, it's about trying to help someone that's dealing with depression. Hmm. So that shares a... Uh, that that was kind of true to life, but those are the ones that I have, Chris. All right. Well, I'm going to go with um, first. Let me just name one that's a little bit a little bit odd. It's instrumental, but um, I mean, you're well, you're David, you're well aware of Jason Becker, correct? Guitarist. Oh yeah. Well, for those who don't know, Jason Becker has ALS, and uh, he's been living with it now for since mid nineties. Yeah. And uh, he has a song on. Um, an album of his, I believe it's called, it's called Perspective. It's a song called End of the End of the Beginning. It's about ten minutes long, and absolutely just a beautiful song. It's sad to me, especially when I think of the the title and everything about it. And you know, it's um, it just always kind of gets to me. Again, it's an instrumental song, but it's a it's a really really good tune. Um, next, I'm gonna go with The Smith, Asleep. This is a rough one. Um, no, a sad Smith song. Yeah, but but man, here let me let me tell you this one. Let me let me, re- let me read you something on this one. Sing me to sleep, and then leave me alone. Don't try to wake me in the morning because I will be gone. Don't feel bad for me. I want you to know, deep in the cell of my heart, I will feel so glad to go. Um, yeah, that that's no happy song. <laughs> um. I got to go with, you know, my favorite band. I got to go. We talked about this song before, but Social Distortion, When the Angels Sing, this song just rips my heart out. You know, and I've I've said this before, half jokingly, but the other half is probably the most serious. The serious side is probably what I mean more. I I could see myself not to get too dark on this, but I've said I've said before, you know, if, if look if I, if I know I'm gonna. For whatever reason, if something ever happens to me and I know I'm going to pass, I'm actually going to tell anybody to listen. I want this song cranked to 10, and I want the walls of the church shaking as they play this song. Um, it just gets to me, you know, that right at the end when he says, you know, when the angel of death comes looking for me, I hope I was everything I was supposed to be. Um, I just, I love this song. You know, it's, it's a great one. 
One I'm going to go, another I'm going to go with is uh, Gob Iron, which is, uh, you know, Jay Farrar and yeah. Anders Parker. They did a bunch of uh, old classic folk songs. Some of them they kind of reworked, kind of did, you know, kind of played with the lyrics and all. So this is a folk traditional. It's a song called Little Girl and the Dreadful Snake. And it's about a little girl that, you know, gets bitten by a snake. And, and she's dying. And uh, it's about his, her, her dad trying, you know, trying his, you know, to comfort her, you know, and she's, you know, it, she's saying, you know, to tell her dad to, to kill that snake. And it says, you know, it's getting dark. Tell mommy goodbye. You know, it's, it's a really sad song. I mean, the, the, the guys with his daughter, you know, in her, her last breath as she was bitten by the snake, um, really rough one. Um, let's see, I'm going to go one that, you know, I have to, I'm an animal lover, so I have to turn this commercial every time it comes on, but the, uh, ASPCA, the animal commercial when Sarah McLaughlin comes on singing Angel. Yeah. That is brutal. And I mean, it's brutal even without the pictures. I mean, you listen to the lyrics of that song. It's, it's a rough one. Um, Garth Brooks, The Dance. That one always gets me, and just even just that piano intro. There's something about it every time. Just hooks me in. And then another one that I, I think could, to some, may sound almost kind of happy, but to me, it's always felt more sad. And uh, that's a Green Day, Good Riddance. Um, it's always there's, there's some every time I hear that song, it's just kind of a kind of a sad feeling that I have in that one. And um, as I'm looking at my list, there's a couple I left off. I'm thinking, uh, here's one that we both could, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick this, but uh, Eric Clapton, Tears in Heaven. Yeah, good song. I mean, there's there's a sad one. But um, I guess it's going to, uh, Lindy Ortega, we've talked about her before, the best female country artist you've never heard of, and she is real country. But she has a song called Lived and Died Alone. And it's about as depressing as it, the title would suggest. Gotta wrap mine up. Well, this uh, this was a it, I hate I hesitate to say this, but it was a fun episode. But uh, it's good. I think it was a good topic. It was interesting. It was. So uh, if you're listening to this, maybe uh, leave a comment uh, on our Facebook page. Some of your sad songs. Uh, we do have a uh, what we think is going to be a very cool interview lined up for next week. So uh, knock on wood that doesn't fall through. I don't think it will. Uh, that'll be another good uh, interview for you guys. I do want to tell you to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Follow us on our YouTube channel at Digital Killed the Radio Star. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And you'll be hearing from Hey, David. Me. Yeah. Hey, David, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just thought of one other one we kind of left off. I just hit REM, everybody hurts. How do we leave that one off? Oh, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> All right, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's an Well, signing off with uh, R.E.M. Nobody hurts. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll you'll hear from us again next week.